This is The God Show, a conversation about the human spirit, with your host, Pat McMahon. Oh boy, have I been looking forward to this ever since I read The Catholic Son. Yes, I read The Catholic Son, and not because they told me I'd be punished if I didn't read every issue. But one issue in particular really attracted me with one story. And I needed four guests to really complete the story. And that's why I invited Lexi Bastian and her mom, Diana Bastian, and Sophia Pajik and Kasia Bajik. How did I do, huh? Bajik? Pretty good. Bajic, right? You got it. Okay, see, we didn't have time for an entire Serbian lesson plan (laughs) on this. But the best I can do is that, and I don't care how you pronounce Pat McMahon, as long as we can have a good conversation. And uh, today we're going to start conversationally um, with the story itself uh, out of The Catholic Son. Uh, And the story is essentially going to be told by the folks who lived it. But let me start with just the first paragraph out of the story from March the 14th. The power of prayer. That's what it's about. The power of prayer plus the aid of technology, the Catholic Sun people said. It united two families thousands of miles apart in an international rescue operation. Are you intrigued so far? And you know what? All of that was at the instigation of two 12-year-old girls. So we're going to make moms wait for a little while because the people who started this, Lexi and Zofia, are in the studio today uh, to tell us, Lexi, you start. Was that a prayer in your classroom, that uh, in the school that you share, John 23rd? Was that a school in the classroom, a prayer in the classroom that you did? Yes, it was. And, and, and tell me, uh, particularly since so many public school kids never get a chance to pray uh, in school, uh, you get to because it's a Catholic school, John the 23rd. And you're in what grade? I'm in six. Okay. Uh, was it the beginning of the day that you had the prayer or what? Yes, it was the beginning of the day. And do you do that every day? Um, We do it every Fridays in language arts. We do prayer intentions to start the day. What caused you to decide that day, though, instead of Hail Mary full of grace or any of the traditional Catholic prayers? What made you decide that you were going to do the prayer that you did? Well, every Friday we do special intentions for everyone in the class. And my mom told me the story. And... I decided to just pray for them because they needed prayers. What story did your mom tell you? Um, How they were stuck in Ukraine um, and that there was a war going on. Did you know about the war because you passed through the TV room at your home while those videos were showing? Yes. Did you know much more about What was going on in Ukraine? Well, I was watching the news with my mom, and she explained it to me. And that caused you to take that memory of the explanation and the story to the school. But it was not just because of the fact that you were concerned about the people of the world and the tragedies in their lives, but about your family over there. Yeah. Tell me where they are. Um, well... Well, right now they are, they are in Bosnia, but they were living in Kiev. Oh, and we know about that city because of the destruction and the catastrophes mm-hmm. happening specifically right. in that area. That, by the way, happens to be Lexi's mom yeah. uh, that is helping. I... I always turn to somebody, Lexi, for help, I promise you. So that, that is nothing new. Uh, and, and I want to know how it is that your classmate, uh, Zofia, 
all of a sudden became a part of the story. Sophia, now what, yes, what happened, please? Um, well, so what happened was I was in class, obviously, with Lexi. Same class as Lexi? Yes, okay. we're both in the same class. And at that time, we were sitting right next to each other in the desks. And so um, when I heard that Lexi had family in Ukraine that was stuck there, I thought, well, I know that Poland is really, really close to Ukraine, and there has to be a way that my family that lives in Poland could help with their family. And then I kind of kept that stuck in the back of my mind for a couple days. And then I remember sitting in church and my mom's phone vibrates and she didn't check it. But then when we got in the car, she started reading it. And I'm like, who is it? And she said, Lexi, her family needs help in Ukraine. And I said, okay. And then that's kind of how the story started. What do you know about the family in Poland? Um, well, I know that uh, they're obviously my family and um, they live on the farm, right? They live on the farm. And um, I know that they're always loving people and they always want to help as much as they can. And you've met them too because they were here uh, for your first communion. Oh, Some yeah. of them came. Yeah. Oh, now that wasn't in the Catholic that Son. That was not in no. the Catholic Son, yes. No, see, so that's one of the reasons why it is we have radio in order to tell the whole story. And I want to know uh, about, uh, from you, uh, if you can remember... Was it that long ago? Well, um, your first communion would have been what, when you were? Third grade. Okay. So it wasn't, it was around three years ago. And I, the one thing that I remember for sure is picking them up. And we had to rent a ginormous van because it was like 10 people. <laughs> and um, I remember all of them staying in our house. So I had to sleep in my parents' room on an air mattress. And the whole house was split uh, between all the family. Which reminds me of a joke. How many Polish people can you fit in a van? Uh, I don't remember the rest of that, but all I know is, is uh, th there is a tradition, as there is with virtually every nationality, but there's a tradition, uh, at least with the Polish associates that I've had in the past, of maintaining uh, a tie with the family in the old country. Kasia, that's obviously true with yours. Yes. And tell me where your family uh, started in Poland, because you came here at what age? I came here when I was 15 years old. And have you visited then back uh, in Poland several times? Once? I would go back every time for the summertime, for my summer break, because my grandparents were still alive. But um, since they passed, which is in 2000, um, I think in six, um, I got married in 2008, and my husband myself and um, 28 members of our family traveled back to our little town and we had our wedding um, oh. in Poland. Oh, with 28 family members? Yes. Wow. Did any of them ever ask you about summers in Phoenix? <laughs> no. A little bit different than in Poland. A little bit different. They're pretty intrigued, though. They love Arizona. Well, you must have been equally intrigued when the story came home, though, about Lexi telling your daughter about the prayer and what she had hoped for with God's help. It's true. Um, my daughter loves to talk, and when we get in the car, I have... Zosha has, um, Zofia has two younger brothers, and so when they get in the car, it's always a fight who's going to tell me about their day first and who they sat at with lunch, at lunch and what they did at Reese's and who was nice to them and who was mean to them. So it's always a fighting match who gets to tell their story. And then Zofia was telling me, Mommy, Alexi was praying today, and her family in Ukraine needs help. And then that's on top of, somebody hit me with the football and, you know, this and that. <laughs> and so I'm like, yeah, yeah, all right, honey, all right. So I knew that there was a story that there's family in need. I knew that Lexi's family needed help. But it was kind of like one ear in, one ear out. Buckle your seatbelt. Don't hit your brother. And then until I got the text message from Diana that Sunday, then I knew that the need was real, and, you know, I started reaching out to some cousins. And always remember to hit your brother before you buckle your seatbelt. <laughs> uh, and by the way, I warn you in advance, with that 
kind of proclivity for conversation, you better be careful because she's liable to become a broadcaster. And no family <laughs> wants that to happen. And by the way, tell me about what it is uh, that uh, you do here in the Valley. You and your husband are in we business? Live, uh, no, we live in Scottsdale. My husband's a firefighter for Scottsdale. Thank uh, you for, for that. File, fire. Um, and um, I'm a photographer, but just like Diana, I took some time off to raise the family because my motto is, if I mess up, then I'm going to blame myself. <laughs> but if I do a good job, then I'm going to be proud of myself. <laughs> and with how close the girls are to God and Jesus, you know that you're going to have to answer somewhere along the line, right? And by the way, I should mention now to the people who have lived here long enough to remember a kid's show that I did for some 30 years, the Wallace and Ladmo show, the reason why that happens to be something that I would bring into this important international conversation is because he was my closest Polish friend, Vladimir Kwiatkowski, uh, but he also raised a firefighter who just retired uh, from the Tempe Fire Department. How interesting. And we're proud of all of you. Uh, Diana, you are remarkably patient for a physician. <laughs> <laughs> Diana, you have heard this story so many times. Were you surprised when you first heard about it? And how did you first hear about it? Well, uh, well both my parents immigrated from Ukraine to here when they were six years old. Um, and I grew up speaking Ukrainian and learning the culture and listening to the stories from my grandparents about how they escaped, very similar to what people are doing now. World War II, right? It was 1948. Mm. Um, and uh, I just remember my grandparents saying how difficult it was, you know, to find a way to get by foot across the country into Poland, into Germany, and then onto the United States. And uh, how difficult that was and how many people they helped along the way and you know, who they were able to uh, circle back and find when they got to the United States. Um, so I grew up with all of those stories. And now seeing it unfold again, it's almost surreal. It's, it's almost like watching that movie your grandpa told you about now playing out in real life on, on people's Instagram or TikTok or on the TV, it's, it's frightening. Did you grow up with a feeling of, uh, of a bond with that part of Europe? Yes, yeah. And when you heard about the story, did you hear about Lexi and her prayer or did somebody else tell you? No, she told me um, we have uh, some cousins that had come over to the United States uh, in the early 1990s, uh, my mom's second cousins, and we still had some family members left in Kiev. Um, and uh, back in January, when Putin was uh, lining up his forces on the eastern border, um, we called them and asked, you know, should, do you guys think you should mobilize? And nobody thought that this was going to escalate to the point that it did. Um, everybody thought there's, there's no way there's going to be World War III. There's no way this is going to become this, you know, humongous war. And unfortunately, it has. And throughout those conversations with my parents and with um, their cousins and uh, with the kids and trying to explain to them what was happening on the television, um, because, you know, as kids come in, come in and out of the kitchen, they, they look at the TV and they see, you know, these terrifying images on, on the screen. And you, as a parent, feel compelled to comfort them and say, you know, this is not going to happen here, but this is what's happening on the other side of the world, and we need to do something to help in our own little way. And how and does a parent explain atrocities? I don't, it's very difficult because the, the question that comes from the kid is, why does God let this happen? Mm. Um, and what was your answer to that? I, well, God works in miraculous ways. I don't know why it happens, but there, there is a reason for everything, and there must be some, some something good is going to come of this. I don't know what it is, 
but we will have to pray and wait and see. But um, I did explain to Lexi that we had family still in Ukraine, and um, you know, I was busy on the phone with them trying to figure out how to get them out. And you know, it was always, you know, just a second, Lexi, I gotta take this phone call. I'm sorry, I, I gotta take this phone call. Sure. And it was constant texting back and forth. And um, you know, I explained to her what was going on. And then uh, one, uh, that Friday, she was in the car and said, uh, Mrs. Anderson, let us uh, give our prayer intentions today. And I prayed for our family. And then um, th I think that was about the time that the girls switched uh, tables, yeah, tables they were, yeah. and they were paired together. Just it, it was very um, it was very uh, fortunate that they came together. Even though this is not a classroom, Lexi raised her hand and has something to say, and I want to hear it. Oh, she did. <laughs> oh, she's well, like, no, no, I didn't raise my hand. Oh, we, um, were, talk we were talking. But though. you guys switched together, didn't you? Didn't you yeah. change change table yeah, so mates? Like, what does that mean, Lexi? You switched together. Um, what? Okay, so like every quarter we change seats. Oh. Um, yeah, and since COVID, we had to do it in pairs, like desks of two. And yeah, I was coming to like the end of the quarter, so we switched seats, and I sat next to Zosha. Which was uh, remarkably fortunate for us because yeah. um, she said, you know, we, I switched seats and today I'm sitting with Zosha and I, you know, shared my prayer intention and I thought, oh, Zosha, Zosha has family in Poland. To clarify, Zosha is Zofia. She has many oh, names. Zosha, <laughs> okay. <laughs> yes. <laughs> but so, isn't that a, but see, there's an example that if we would like to continue pursuing this on the God Show, that there might have been a reason why it is that they were paired up. Interesting, yeah, yeah. Wow. Maybe God made it that way. I don't know. But then I, call, I texted Kasha and I said, what did I say? I said, I know this is probably like... A long shot? A, yeah, yeah, a shot in the dark, but do you by any chance have any family in Poland that could give my family a place to stay for a little bit. But did you folks know one another beforehand as moms at John 23rd grade school? We did. We actually, um, yes, we were, we knew each other through our daughters. We met um, when they were in third grade and we kind of are part of a, a group of moms that that pray together and hang out together and do happy hour together. And um, it's just a tribe of us uh, women that uh, have bonded uh, through the school. And Kasia, uh, when you got a call, had you ever thought that you might be of some assistance like this? Because I mean, we're talking about really long distance assistance in a, a, a strategic area where war is taking place. Oh, and I got that text message. Um, my first thought was like, yeah, right. I mean, I called my mom. Um, she was going to church. My mom lives in Chicago. She was going to church in Chicago, and then they always have, like, tea and, you know, ponchkis after mass. <laughs> so I said, when you sit today with your friends, just kind of throw it out there. Maybe some of your friends who live in Chicago and have family in Poland, maybe they have an apartment that they can, you know, give to a family in need. And so I was really uh, putting all my cards um and my mom, because I'm like, well, she has a network of Polish people in Chicago, here in Arizona. It's kind of limited. We don't have that many uh, friends that do still have family in Poland. So then I was like hoping my mom's going to call and say, yep, I found something. And then three hours later, she texts me back. She's like, no, nothing. Um, somebody that they know had an apartment, but it was already two, three weeks into the war when uh, Diana texted me. Most people that had an empty place were already, um, you know, they already gave it away. So it was a really a long shot. And then, so after that, I'm like, okay, well, who else can I text? And I'm like, I guess I, I'll text my cousins um, because they have nine children and the kids are mostly adults. I think there's one or two who are still teenagers. So I thought to myself between nine, you know, 20 somethings, they know a lot of people and they're all in universities in Poland. So maybe they can kind of reach out to their friends and see if they can find someone. And so that's kind of how we got the ball rolling. Sophia, were you surprised? I mean, considering the fact, and you can tell me the truth because 
I never have stopped being a kid. Mm -hmm. Isn't it kind of a surprise when grown-ups actually pay this much attention to what their kids are talking about? Were you surprised at how fast this whole thing began to roll? Uh, yeah, I was really surprised how fast it happened. My parents listened to me a lot of the time just because I talk so much. Um, <laughs> but I was surprised and I was almost in shock that some like things that I've like read in books or seen on TV is happening in my own life. And it was kind of just crazy to me that something this big could happen to such a such a little like girl and stuff so yeah. and besides that don't hit your brother <laughs> i want to ask you and uh i want to ask your your classmate i want to ask both of you uh if you can uh you first sophia uh if you can try to explain to a bunch of grown-ups who for the most part have no idea why this is happening in that part of the world, your part of the world. Can you tell me what it is that you, as a young person who's how old? 12. As a 12 year old, how do you manage to put that all together in your head that adults are doing that to other adults and children? I think it's just such a crazy thing that such a bad thing could be happening. And the fact that it's grown people, like you said, that are doing this to each other, it doesn't, like, it doesn't really fit the puzzle pieces. It's like, it doesn't make sense why someone would want to do that, such a bad thing to another, like, whole, like, country or colony or whatever. Um, it's like, it's just almost unbelievable it's unreal that something someone would want such bad intentions on someone lexi does it make you feel negative do you feel that russians are bad people because of what you see on television and what your family talks about well i don't think all russians are bad i feel like it's just the government that's doing this that wants to just attack the country ukraine um, but yeah, just because the government wants it doesn't make every Russian bad. I wish that everyone could just use that as a philosophy of life and then uh, we probably wouldn't even be talking about this. Uh, yeah. Uh, in fact, I remember reading in the Catholic Sun that Father Chirovsky who was our recent guest here on The God Show, uh, from New Jersey, Ukrainian descent, uh, and he was talking about, don't pray for Putin's death, pray for his conversion. Absolutely. Does that make sense? Mm -hmm. Does any of that make sense, though? Uh, you try with your family there and, and with... Uh, the, the families of so many people, including uh, the uh, Pajic, uh family, that, that you see this and the rest of the world, the rest of the world has an impossible struggle trying to put it together. And you as a mom have the responsibility of trying to explain it to your kids? It's difficult. But I think, you know, praying for a conversion is praying for a change of thought, right? If you were to take out Putin, there's going to be somebody else behind him, a successor, a whole, you know, uh, group of government officials that think the same way as he does. Um, if you pray for a conversion, a change of heart, peace, maybe that will, that will be the change we need. Well, according to Father Chirovsky, one of the things that you don't want is for the patriarch of the Russian Orthodox Church to be put in charge of anything because he's very Putin-like. Uh, yes, uh, and but I think they're all corrupt, you know. There's a lot of corruption there that fuels that intense emotion. And, and since both of you parents have those kinds of ties there, uh, what do you do when there is an essence of that kind of universal 
attitude about leadership in those countries that there's nothing we can do because of the corruption. Is there a solution for tomorrow? It's that, that's, uh, that's a very good question. Um, I think there's always hope for tomorrow. I don't know if there's a solution for tomorrow, but there's always hope for a better tomorrow. Right. And I think the way that I kind of explained it to our children is that there's evil in the world and there's goodness in the world. And people that turn towards evil will do evil things, like Putin is doing right now. And there's people who believe in goodness and turn to God, and they will do good things in the world. And both of those exist, just like the day and night. <laughs> um, there's always opposites. And so I think that it is important to also teach our kids that evil does exist in this world, because a lot of the times we just kind of want to show them, you know, the bright side of the world. Like we don't talk about the bad things because we don't want to make them worry. We don't want them to um, kind of get a, get in their heads. But evil exists just like goodness exists. And so I think that's kind of how we tackled it in our family, just explaining that people that, you know, fall towards devil's teachings will do evil things. And then we believe in God. And that's why it's so important for me and for my husband to send our kids to a Catholic school, because I know we cannot protect our kids from the world. Um, but I think if we can give them a base. An anchor. Yes. An something anchor to always faith. fall back on. And, um, and to also know that, you know, you have friends that think like you. And look at this beautiful story that evolved just because these two girls were in the same classroom praying for the same thing. And wouldn't it be sensational, since this is an international broadcast uh, around the world, wouldn't it be terrific if we found out that Putin tuned in and changed his <laughs> mind? Uh, but all, all, well, listen, all of these remarkable <laughs> things are happening uh, because of Lexi and Sophia to begin with. And I want to know, since Putin is not going to stop us with the story, I want to know what it is that then happened with the folks in Poland. So when I got the text message from Diana on Sunday, it was, like Zofia said, it was late morning. Um, and then I waited a couple hours for my mom to get back to me. And then when my mom said that no one she knows has an apartment, um, I texted my cousins. Um, and there's about nine or a ten hour difference between Arizona and Poland. And so I waited until the next morning. And my cousin Evelina, she replied to me um, saying, Kasia, we will help. And so I'm like, that's wonderful, but I kind of need more details. <laughs> <laughs> and so her words were like, we want to help, we will help. And then so I told Diana, well, that's what she said. I'm like, I don't want to bug her for details because they're probably working it all out right now. So we were just kind of on standby waiting to hear. And um, she soon got back to me and sent me a picture of a little home in the middle of, oh, I don't know, geez. nowhere, <laughs> in a little town. And she said, it's a two-bedroom house. Um, it's kind of old, but, you know, it's a safe place to stay. And so we proceeded from there. Um, that was Sunday. That was Monday morning when we kind of got in touch with Evelina. And then Tuesday afternoon, uh, the family was across the border. It was like a military operation. It was. Right? It but really Diana... Was. I I don't even like to go next door and ask for sugar. <laughs> you must have been hesitant as this continued to progress and involve so many other people. Um, hesitant in asking Kasha for help? Well, obviously she's an extremely generous person, but you don't know these other people that are Kasha's family. Yeah, we, d we didn't know. And so um, what we had done was we, we got them out of Kiev. They, they were sleeping in the subways, um, at, using the subway as a bomb shelter. Remind our audience, by the way, about the city, where it is. Kyiv is the capital of Ukraine. Yes, and where it is, is it centrally located? It's, it's kind of north central. Mm -hmm. um, and they um, were able to get uh, a ticket on the train to get to Lviv, which is on the western side of the country. And then about... Was it 50 miles from the from the border there? About two-hour drive, maybe. Yeah, about two-hour drive. And then to find someone who was willing to drive. And now we're talking about, these are older people. They're in their 80s. One had a stroke. The other one has a heart condition, can't really walk very fast. And then their daughter, who is 50. Find so, somebody in Poland. 
to find a, a to find well first of all to find a driver in Lviv to get them to the border okay then to have Kasha's family come which I think they were like eight hours or eight ten, hours drive, eight yeah. hours from that border and if it's complex for you folks just to explain to us right. imagine folks who have not ever read the story but can you imagine asking somebody um, you know to basically drive from here to San Diego or even farther for somebody they don't know. Total strangers never Total laid eyes on strangers never laid eyes on them. They, they didn't just, even have each other's pictures. We were we had to send yeah. pictures of each other. As so they were driving they were, towards the borders on each side, we were sending right, pictures. Right, and then they were saying, okay, we are, you know, about two hours, you know, in in the line or yeah. they waited i think eight hours in the line didn't yeah. they and Something my cousins like obviously speak hours. polish and your family speaks ukrainian and so after a while we got a text message from diana's cousin um and she's like okay we found a way to communicate we're kind of doing <laughs> half english half polish half <laughs> google <Ukrainian."> translate <laughs> google translate goes a long way because they had to be in touch with each other because they were people meeting um across the border so it was really remarkable. And because it happened so fast, it kind of just, like Diana said, it was like a military operation. And it was just like, boom, 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 from here to there. Okay, they're across the border. And so um, like a day later, two, three days, when you kind of start thinking about what we've accomplished and how you know this was even possible, then you kind of get the gravity. It hits you and you think, like I always say, you're trying to get a play date even between these two girls. And it takes us weeks to arrange a play yeah. date. And we all go to the same school and we all live in the same town. Everyone yeah. in the studio is nodding their heads. Yeah. <laughs> but Lexi, let, let, me, let, let me jump in here. Because you, you rascal, you started this whole international thing. I mean, we're talking about two, three, maybe even four different countries that are actively involved here. What did you think as you heard this going on? Or were you aware that all of this was happening? Um, like about the family? Yeah, yeah. Did, you, yeah. did you know that all of this, this communication was going on and that all of this was happening? Yes, I did. My mom informed me of it all. And yeah, like after school every day, we just talked about it and uh, just like progress. Were yeah. you a little, a little surprised? Yeah, I was. I think we were all relieved when they yeah. when they crossed the border. The kids had just gotten yeah. out of out of school. Yeah, and that's what uh, Zofia said. And you told me, and I was like, Yeah, we I'm were shocked. Like, yeah, I was, I was relieved too. I was really surprised because, like, okay, so I walked out of school into the Ramada area where all the moms wait for the kids to come out, and I see I come to my mom and I see one of my mom's friends come up to her and hug her and cry and then uh, Mrs. Diana she walks up to my mom and they start crying and hugging and I'm so confused and then they're like they crossed the border and I'm like oh okay that makes a little more sense now. <laughs> Zofia was there now listen you can tell me and we'll make your parents and even Lexi not pay attention go look out the window and don't pay any attention to what it is that she's going to say to me now. Just between the two of us. Did you ever think, you know what? I'm pretty hot stuff. I mean, did you ever think that th this was a big deal that Lexi planted in your mind and that you took home and the wheels began to churn? And I wonder if you sometimes at night don't think, you know what? I should probably join the United Nations. Uh well, I was like, um, I didn't think this was too big of a deal. I was like, okay, we're helping a family. Nothing big's going to happen. It's probably just going to be like spread around with the moms and stuff, just like happiness and stuff. And then we get interviewed on the news, and then uh, our moms talk in the Catholic Sun, and now here we are. And I was like, it's crazy how such a small deed can go such a long way. And now that everyone knows about this kind of stuff, maybe they're like, oh wait, I know I have a Ukrainian classmate in my class and I know I have some family in Poland or like somewhere near that. Maybe I should help out, I should contact my parents. And it's just like, even like parents and adults don't know that like their like friends are like, they don't even notice what's going on. And then they realize after hearing something that little kids can do that 
they can do that too and it's just it feels like nice to be inspiring people about good things Lexi if somebody if somebody happens to be on television maybe or even in your company and you hear them say probably to your parents you you get a mass and pray and you know come on prayers don't work that's all phony stuff do you think that prayers work especially maybe a little bit more now yes i know prayers work because i know god will always be there for us yeah the pause you hear is me writing that down <laughs> eloquent both of you are eloquent oh and by the way uh, i would like both moms to bring a sense of reality to our audience about what you've learned about life on the border diana life on the border life on the border between poland especially poland because you've been now taking in poland has been taking in an enormous number of people. Yeah. What have you have you learned something about though that traffic that has been going on between Ukraine and the border and the fact that people do have an an exit plan? Well, we hope they have an exit plan. I mean, most most of those people heading that way do have an exit plan, whether they wanted one or not. You know, they had to get out. They, even if they have no place to go, here's somebody, a country that it's not the same language, there's so many differences, different food, and they're saying welcome. It's, it's a beautiful thing. It's a beautiful thing. But uh, remember, the, the uh, path to Auschwitz was paved with indifference, right? So if we sat and did nothing, we would see an entire nation just be desiccated. Um, and it's uh, a beautiful thing that Poland has opened their doors and the people have been so generous without any uh, anticipation of any give back or anything. They have opened their doors. They have provided food, clothing, um, shelter for these people. They don't even know. Neighbors. Has you know, it changed your attitude about anything? Well, there's, there's a lot of good in the world. Even though we see a lot of evil, there's more good than evil. I try to tell my kids that all the time, you know. Um, another reason why we send our kids to Catholic school is, you know, good will prevail. It always does. It may not seem like that in the thick of it, but good will always prevail. And if they have their faith to anchor them, they can go on to do anything. Even through a little prayer intention, look what happened. You know, and a little Lexi. And a little Lexi. <laughs> right. It's not a Sunday-only, acting holy, uh, you know, easy kind of faith. It is, it is um, you know, I, we send our kids to Catholic school, and I'm sure Kasha feels the same way, to make them good humans. You know, we, these girls would, would um, uh, be successful in any school we send them to. But to be among their own faith and to be rooted among other kids that feel the same, same passion about it, um, you know, is an impetus for them to keep doing good in their life. And there are people listening right now who are saying, well, well wait a minute, though. I'm a good person and I'm not Catholic. Uh, I'm not even Polish or Ukrainian. But there are those those desperate needs to accomplish something good in every in every person every religion every nationality and the poles should be held up <laughs> as a standard for so many of us mm -hmm. because you've been invaded by everybody yes yeah, so Mila, just like diana we kind of exchanged the stories i was growing up in a multi-generation generation home i had my grandma and her two sisters living with us when i was a child and um, they would always get together and tell stories of war and running through the forest. I mean, the stories I've heard over and over and over. And myself being about seven, eight, nine years old, I thought to myself, why do they talk about history? Because for me as a kid, it seemed so, so long ago. 
And now knowing that for my grandma, that was 15, 20 years ago. Now being an adult, it puts it in the perspective that it happened just like yesterday. So it makes sense why they were telling the same stories over and over and they were reliving um, their escape and their you know, will to survive. Um, and so um, also when the war broke out, obviously it was on every news channel. And me growing up in a country that um, didn't always tell the truth. <laughs> um, our leaders sometimes, you know, would sway one way or the other. I always like to uh, cross-reference my <laughs> news intake. So I will listen to American news stations and I will go and listen to Polish news stations. But some of see. our leaders are saying don't pay any attention to the American news stations. <laughs> Probably. It That's why it's good to listen to everything and make up your own mind. Kind of a universal <laughs> thing, though. Is there something Something uniquely hospitable, I don't mean better, but uniquely hospitable about Polish culture. Well, I know from my own experience um, that there's a saying in Poland um, that when a guest enters your house, a god enters your house. Mm. Um, and so for us, having people over, even when we were growing up and we were pretty poor, when we had Easter, where somebody would come over, you would go to the neighbor and borrow eggs and milk and anything that you had to borrow to make your guests feel welcome. So sometimes my kids will see me grabbing stuff and putting it on a table. And Zofia's like, mommy, who's coming over? <laughs> I'm like, no one, I'm just making a fancy dinner for you guys and for daddy. <laughs> um, so they always think that, um, I think just because Poland has been through so many ups and downs, um, and like I said, even I didn't live through the war, but just growing up with people that did experience yes. the war, knowing what they went through and now kind of being able to put it in the perspective in my own head from what I heard and from what I now know, I think it's just, um, it's just, I think all the people are good. It just depends on maybe where your head is at, because I feel that not only Polish people are hospitable, I feel like every nation would welcome other people if they saw a need. Um, so going back to your um, border question, um, when I was listening to the Polish radio stations, it was truly incredible to see that the biggest train station that's right next to the border where most people were crossing from Ukraine, they had thousands of volunteers. It was not government operated, it was just people showing up at the From train stations. And so I was showing Zofia this video of this one kid who um, they had like those um, street workers um, uniforms, the bright colored ones. Mm -hmm. And on the back, they would write with a Sharpie with languages that they speak. So they would write Polish, Russian, English, Ukrainian. So if you were crossing over and if you knew another language, you would just look at the back it's like, oh, this guy speaks Ukrainian. I can go and ask for help. And these were just people showing up out of nowhere, students mostly, because that's, you know, they know a lot of languages. So I think it's just, I'm very proud to be Polish always, but especially now. <laughs> in the that, Ukraine, by the way, you were talking about the family spending all that time in the subways. And in some cases, there were families in different parts of Ukraine uh, who found subway safety and were there for weeks yeah. and weeks. Uh, did your family say that they had provisions enough? Um, interestingly enough, they were all sharing their food, their water. I mean, people were, if somebody didn't have something, somebody was offering it to them. Um, it was kind of like uh, just this uh, massive coalition of people who knew what other people needed. And it just, you know, if somebody needed formula, they was, there was formula. If somebody needed bread or water or whatever it was, they were able to help. Now, for how long, I'm not sure how long that lasted. They were only there for a short time. But, um, but getting back to what you, what you were asking about the hospitality of these, these uh, Polish uh, people on the border, I think it's very common in Eastern European families to talk about history. It's never, it's, we never forget. You know the Polish like history. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I know Ukrainian history. It was something that um, kind of bonded our nationality and made us, you know, just um, uh, just pure and strong. Uh, and we never, you know, I remember my grandpa saying, just never forget. 
never forget. And I think that these, uh, the, the Polish people have never forgotten what they've gone through, the, the atrocities of war. And I think seeing it now in modern day, they are you know, willing to make a, a stand for, uh, for a change, for a better world by showing humanity. In no way is this intended to be political because this is the least political show on the radio. Yeah. But I am interested just in a personal observation uh, that you, from your perspective, far different than most of us listening right now, from your perspective with family and the experiences that they've gone through, is America doing enough? Uh, this um, is this is Diana's opinion. Is America doing enough? Um, gosh, I, I I have some reservation about how much America is doing. I think we could do be, be doing more, but then somebody will say, "Well, what could we be doing more of?" And I'm not really sure what that answer is. Because militarily, there's a very edgy kind of a thing. Well, right. You can't. Uh, yes, because we're part of NATO, and and you know, if one goes in, they all go in, and not everybody is in. Uh, you know, con congruence with their Well, we their are thoughts. spending billions in humanitarian aid and military aid. Right. But as you said, uh, what is the answer I, to I, what is more? Yeah, I don't, I don't have an answer. Well, Kasha does. Ah. <laughs> um, my take on it. Um, well, there was no war in Europe for many, many years, and we kind of got really comfortable, and it almost kind of was like, this will never happen. And even like Diana was saying, her family, even the day before the invasion, nobody thought that this would happen because we're way better than you know we used to be, right? We learned from our mistakes, but we didn't, and it did happen. And so in that matter, I think... We as humans, we can never say I've done everything I could because there's always more that you can do. So I think that's one thing I could say about not only America, but other European countries. There's always more that they can do. But on the other hand, there's always wars going on. So this is the first war in Europe and it's being very, um, well, it surprised us all. But there were other wars years before um, that maybe were not as loud or I just don't know. It's a tough question because, of course, I want America to be able to help, but I think there's other um, countries that are closer to Ukraine that are also part of NATO that could do a lot better than they're doing right now. But many of them are providing, uh, providing humanitarian areas. aid. They are. And they some are. military aid. And they all individually have their own areas of caution and precaution. Of course, of course. Uh, uh, by the way, there are people right now who are listening in Australia saying, wait a minute, don't leave these people on the border. What happened then? So the Polish family finally makes contact speaking English and Polish and a combination of the two with Diana's family. Uh, and then what? And then we... They drove, they drove to San Diego. <laughs> <laughs> they wish. Yes, they drove to a um, little town of Kumiawa, which is very close to uh, Belarus border. We're about 80 miles away from Belarus border. Mm -hmm. And so they, um, they stayed. My family has a little breakfast, uh, bed and breakfast. So that's where uh, Diana's family stayed for a few days. Because the house that they offered to uh, Diana's family, nobody lived there for, I don't know, two years. So it was, remember, that was March, so it was pretty cold in Poland. So they had to kind of go and start up the furnace and, you know, just kind of... And it was a wood furnace. It was a wood furnace. <laughs> it was a wood furnace. You had to go and bring the wood in and start the fire each morning to warm up your house. And so when Diana's family saw the house... Um, as much as they loved it, um, they knew it wasn't going to be an answer for a long run because, like Diana said, her uh, cousins, um, her uncles, uncle and aunt, were um, they're in their 80s, so it would be hard for them to do all that manual labor. And they were far away from hospital. Um, they didn't have a car. Of course, my cousins would be very happy to drive them, but when you're in the middle of the night and you need help. So uh, we were able to find... 
again, you know, God works in mysterious ways. And um, we were able to find them an apartment uh, in Bosnia that somebody owns and the person that owns it lives in Australia and that's their summer house. Yeah. I'm serious, the story <laughs> just keeps getting better oh. and so. <laughs> now this part of the story is did, brand new to me. Yes, yes it, it did not, not make yeah, into the Catholic Sun. Yeah, <laughs> didn't this make is it after. Into the, what did you say, Diana? It didn't make it into the story, but yes. Because it happened afterwards. Yes, it happened afterwards. But um, this apartment in Bosnia is close to a hospital and they were friends that they were able to find in Australia and they had a summer house in Bosnia and it was yeah so then my family drove Diana's family to the airport in Warsaw and they took a two-hour flight and then a few days later we received the picture because there's other family members from America that went to Bosnia and reunited with their parents wait 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 a minute some folks that were relatives here decided that they wanted to see this firsthand well no that was Diana's family yeah the the sister of um of the the girl that was from ukraine and her parents that were coming over she lives here in the united states and she's been trying to get them over here but the mother does not have a passport yes the other two the father and the sister do she's not able to come to the united states because she does not have a passport so that's why when they were in poland they weren't allowed to come to the united states they had to find somewhere else and they have a friend in Australia who said, I have a house in Bosnia. It's, it's right across the street from a hospital. You know, your father has, uh, ha- is on a blood thinner, needs to have his blood checked, you know, periodically. It's going to be perfect. There's help there. There's people who speak Ukrainian there. It'll, it'll work. So then they flew from Maryland to, to, uh, Austria. to Austria and then drove from Austria to Bosnia. And now they're living in an in a apartment there, the summer house. Lexi, listen, <laughs> the only thing that may possibly be next, because everything else is just so miraculous, why don't you say a prayer at the end of class next time that the whole family, both the Polish people and the Bosnian people and the Ukrainian people, everybody wins the lottery. <laughs> she love have that. a one big party <laughs> and meet each other. <laughs> I, I don't. I don't think that God is going to be offended. Uh, now, as this continues, though, and I'm hearing the rest of the story about Australia and the summer home and and across from the hospital and so on. I have you ever thought about actually? I'm talking now to both girls, Sophia and Lexi. Uh, Have you ever thought about going over, traveling over there, meeting these people that you haven't met? Um, Yeah, I thought it would be fun and cool to um, go somewhere new that I haven't been and um, meet new people that are relatives, family. Um, It's a particularly good idea to do it now that everybody is out of Ukraine and then and you can they're all gathered in the same place. Uh, I mean, it's it's amazing how many family members now and friends of family members have wound up together. Yes, Sophia. Um, so we were actually planning on going to Poland sometime this summer, and then the war hit, and then obviously we can't go to Poland now, and especially since our cousins are actually pretty close to the border, it would be even more unsafe to go there. Yeah. Is there anything is there anything in particular that you can think of uh, that you personally, Sophia, have learned from all of this happening? Uh, miracle after miracle after miracle? Um, I think that the things that I've learned is one, prayer is such a powerful thing, and two, God works in mysterious ways. And one thing is my cousin, uh, Evelina, she's the one who was like helping out also um a couple months i want to say before this war it was her wedding and her wedding theme was sunflowers and sunflowers are the national or the flower of ukraine Mm -hmm. wow wow a little bit of foreshadowing for you (laughs) well no i'm gonna i'm gonna be driving home from the studio thinking about all of these things that have gone on and find out what time mass is today uh i may want to check in lexi uh I'm going to ask you the same question about just simply 
your thoughts after all of these things have gone on like dominoes, one after another after another? Um, is, it, is, it, is it a spiritual thing for you? Yes. Um, well, it just proves that prayer works and that God is always there for us when we need him. Do you, do you believe that more now than before? Um, well, yes and no. I mean, I've always believed God has been there for us and that prayer always works. The faculty of John the 23rd is so proud you said that. <laughs> Maybe this just solidified it for her. No, Sophia. Yeah. Um, so one thing that I want to say is like what Lexi said, we've always believed so strongly in God but now that this has happened, I feel like it's going to show some people that thought, eh, God kind of works. I'm only going to pray to him when I need something. That if you pray to him and you ask for the right things and you believe in him, that like he's such a, he's real. He's not something that only a certain amount of people believe in. He's real and he's something that he's like, He's God. He's works in mir miraculous ways, and it's just it feels really good sometimes that to know that you're part of um, such a great community. You're both eloquent. You're both eloquent, very well spoken, young ladies. And uh, Diana, I'm going to ask you now, coming from a profession that I think in the general public they can. Think of you as a physician and medicine in general uh, as being more businesslike than they used to be because we don't have those country doctors coming by the house anymore that know all the kids by their first name. Um, I don't get the feeling that that's you. No, uh, no. <laughs> how do you feel about your daughter now? How, is, is there anything that you've felt differently about her that you didn't know about her before? How do I feel about Lexi that I didn't know about before? Um, <clears throat> you think you knew all these qualities were there? I certainly tried to instill them, but it, it makes me happy to see that she went ahead and, and uh, took it upon herself to, um, you know, bring, to manifest this in, in, a, in a way that uh, showed her spirituality and showed her faith in God. Um, it makes me proud of her because I know that she has a good anchor. She acted in faith when her mom wasn't there to see it. And I know that she'll act in faith when I'm not around or dad's not around or anybody's not around to give her the accolades or to, you know, um, that she'll, she'll, she'll know how to conduct herself. Did you learn anything about Zofia, Kasha? Zofia, um, <laughs> she's smiling have, at me right no, now. No, no, you no. better say something pay good. No, pay no attention <laughs> to her reaction, tell me. Well, I mean, I think all kids are, you know, kids are kids. They're stinkers, but they're also great. And if we just give them time of the day and listen to them, look what can happen. But I also think it's not just Zofia. I also think it's, Obviously, thanks to God and his intervention, but like the Holy Spirit, uh, the faith that it took, you know, to ask a question or the hope, you know, or just kind of throw the hook out there and somebody caught the hook. And I remember um, a lot of parents at school were so proud of the story and they were approaching us after school and just kind of like thanking us to, you know, showing our kids um, you know, that faith is real. One of our mottos at school is faith in action. And I'm like, this is the best example of faith in action that you can Absolutely. think of. And so all these people were coming up to us and thanking us and being so on board with us and proud of this whole St. John the 23rd community. And I remember saying, like, I don't feel worthy of all these thank yous because I always said like all I did is I texted my cousin and so somebody yeah, it was had, a knee-jerk response right for, yeah from it's both like well us. somebody kind of needed something you text someone and then so I kind of almost feel uncomfortable with all the people saying great job great job and I would say like I just pressed some keys <laughs> and one of the moms says well you know what Holy Spirit helped you and guided you to press the right key yeah. <laughs> never ignore applause 
(laughs) (laughs) Because it's limited as it is. And uh, the reason the four of you are here is because of how you touched people who were reading the article and how you touched me, how you touched my producer, Rosemary. We said, we've got to do this. And Lexi, because you started it all, I'm going to let you end it. And I'm just going to say to you that... There are kids now who are listening, but I want you to tell me, and they'll hear you, where does one get the courage to open their mouths in class and say something like, my prayer is about those people in need in a land far away? Well, it comes from the heart, and yeah, this, that our faith is important, and I always turn to God when I need him. I'm glad that you, you live in I'm glad you live in the same community that I do because uh, I have a feeling that God is watching over <laughs> all of us. Hey, I thank you all very very much. So yes, good. Sophia. Okay, so me and Lexi have something to say. I want to thank all of our teachers at school. Um, but the three main teachers that would pray for us every single morning like during class was Mrs. Anderson, uh, Mrs. Ahern and Senora Yerchak. So we want to thank them. And I know that that was sincere, but it's also a good idea always to end every radio broadcast with a commercial. And I thank you so much for all of you being here. God bless you. God is good. On The God Show. I'm Pat McVeigh.